Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast. This is episode 62. I'm your host, Ben Cohen. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Uh, Mike, how are you, buddy? Uh, ben, I got to say, I'm a little puzzled. Uh, I seem to be recording a podcast on Labor Day weekend. Uh, do I have that right? Yeah, this is what we call capitalism, American style. So uh, even every day of rest, um, in, in America, even Labor Day weekend is a, is, a, is a day of work. It's a day to make money. It's a day to make bank on your journey to becoming a millionaire, um, uh, an entrepreneurial millionaire living the American dream, Michael. So um, that's, uh, that's, my, that's my response to you. Um, we're going to need a lot more subscriptions than we currently have if uh, it's going to pan out that way. <laughs> this, this is the worst call to call to action I've ever heard. <laughs> but yeah, please, if you would like to support us, please do subscribe to the banter. Uh, we we do rely on subscriptions to keep to keep the lights on. Um, so anyway, after. <laughs> <laughs> the worst call to action I've ever heard. Uh, we can move on, but again, yeah, please, we do, we, we would love for you to subscribe. But uh, no, anyhow, no, actually, actually, the worst call to action ever was the 2016 campaign and Jeb Bush telling an audience in New Hampshire after he delivered some talking point. He said, "Please clap." <laughs> that 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 is that's the worst one. Mine is. A close second. I we're, we're probably second. We're probably second. All right, just ignore that. We'll do another call to action at the end of the podcast. Um, but uh, anyway, we have a, we do have a uh, a good show for you this weekend. Um, we have uh, we're going to be discussing today the Texas abortion debacle. What crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week? We've got a couple of gems for you. Um, uh, Joe Rogan. The bro scientist extraordinaire uh, has contracted COVID, and of course, he is treating himself with a horse dewormer. Um, and hopefully, we're going to get to talk about Joe fucking Magin. I really hope we don't get that far. Yes, but let's we'll, not. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, time is too tight to get to Joe Manchin. But yeah, you mentioned the, the Texas abortion law. Uh, this law went into effect last week, and it essentially bans abortion after a fetal heartbeat can be detected, which is around six weeks of pregnancy, which at that time, many, maybe most women don't even know they're pregnant. So if some woman in Texas finds out she's pregnant in week seven, well, too bad, according to this law. And it went into effect uh, because the Supreme Court refused to stay its implementation until oral arguments can be heard. So opponents of the law filed an emergency petition and the Supreme Court said, we're, we're not going to act on this. So the court basically allowed Roe v. Wade to be overturned in the state of Texas, at, at least temporarily. And it is, I mean, it's stunning. Um, and the law is very unique. Uh, in that it doesn't allow state officials to enforce it, but instead it allows, quote, and this is direct text from the law, quote, any person other than an officer or employee of a state or local, uh, or local governmental entity in this state, end quote. So uh, anyone can, can sue any person who, quote, knowingly engages in conduct that aids or abets the performance or inducement of an abortion, end quote. And winning plaintiffs are entitled to receive $10,000 uh, per each defendant, I believe, at least. And 
So this is a really creepy law. It encourages people to snitch on anyone who helped assist a woman in getting an abortion. And that's everyone from the doctor who performed it, the receptionist who did the intake at the clinic, a friend or the Uber guy who drove uh, her to the abortion clinic. Uh, it could be a friend who said, I support your decision in doing this. I mean, this is the enforcement mechanism Texas is relying on. And I, I have a clip here. There is an anti-abortion group in Texas. It's called Texas Right to Life. And it has a website where you can rat out women in Texas who you know or suspect, uh, or you can rat out Texans who you know or think may have assisted a woman in getting an abortion. Uh, so I want to play this really, really creepy ad that they ran. Hang on one second. Occurring after the baby's heartbeat is detectable, you can anonymously report that at prolifewhistleblower.com. That's prolifewhistleblower.com. You can stop abortion by protecting women and children from unsafe criminal abortions. Those who worship at the altar of child sacrifice tried to shut down ProLifeWhistleblower.com, but the site is still functioning and active and awaiting your reports and findings. Through civil enforcement, the Texas Heartbeat Act escapes the talons of activist judges by relying on the public to enforce the law. Any abortionist who commits an abortion after the child's heartbeat is detected is liable to be sued by almost anyone. Whoa. I mean, wow. is is that creepy or is that fucking creepy? It is very, very, very creepy. <clears throat> I mean, we it seems we're, we're sort of, the, the handmaiden's tale is coming to life. You know, we're, we're living in a very, very sort of, the, the, you know, I think it's a sort of a lesson in alarmism about, you know, that everything the left has been worried about and has been saying is going wrong, it's going wrong. It's happening. Like Texas is the sort of breeding ground for this kind of thing to happen. Uh, <clears throat> and it's extremely scary. I mean, um, you know, uh, thankfully what I, you know, the activists have taken it upon themselves to uh, create a huge, huge, huge um, sort of counter reaction to this um lots of people are like calling these hotlines and 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 email like snitching on on the politicians and like basically clogging up these websites and um whatnot but i don't you know wh where does this go like where how like texas keeps going further and further and further to the right um and you know i don't really see it's strange that in 2021 that this is it's getting worse like how how is this happening you know i don't you know and it shows the dangers again of the supreme court uh you know having an activist packed uh, supreme court but i don't know how this gets counted i mean that you know one thing i think that is going to have a that would be effective is having a major boycott of texas you just boycott everything you know 
you've got businesses in Texas. You make sure that um, any corporation, uh, giant corporations that have um, uh, plants or, or uh, um, big setups in, in Texas, you pressure them until they pull out, um, until they stop doing business there. Make them feel it. Make them feel the pain um, f- for you know for them doing this because this is it's unacceptable. Right in 2021, that a woman can't, you know, doesn't have control over her own body. I mean, it's it's completely insane. So I think, you know, yeah, I'm I'm quite nervous about this. I don't know. It's one of the more unsettling things that have happened. Uh, obviously, you know, the um, the pandemic is, is is extremely challenging and and very unsettling. But this is is like a, you know, how many other red states are going to follow suit? You know, that's what I want to know as well. You know, like, is this the end of Roe versus Wade in America, or at least in red states? I I don't know. I mean, where do you see this going? What's your feeling on this? I, I, I've had a hard time, like, digesting this because it happened so quickly as well. That's one of the things that was, it just it sort of happened in a flash and everybody was, you know, it, we were kind of, everyone's left reeling and now have to try to make sense of what, what's happened and how to counter it uh, effectively. You know, so... Um, I don't know. Where do you see this going? Uh, it's going to be a bit before this law eventually makes its way to the Supreme Court for oral arguments. That's assuming that they'll agree to hear the case. You would think, given the seismic constitutional implications, that they would hear arguments and hand down a proper decision, but you never know. But I will say this. Uh, and I agree with you that we're going to get a lot of copycats here on abortion. But if this law is upheld by the courts, if this enforcement mechanism is upheld where it's up to private citizens to sue their fellow citizens in civil court, we are going to have absolute chaos. And not just on abortion. But anything else that conservatives or liberal legislatures decide to take up, right? I mean, imagine if Democrats in California said, you know what? We're going to make it illegal to own an AR-15, but the government's not going to enforce it. We're going to let private citizens sue gun stores that sell AR-15s as well as anyone else who helped a person obtain an AR-15. And if the courts uphold this Texas law in full, including that enforcement mechanism, I don't see what is stopping California or Massachusetts or any other liberal state from doing something like that. You know, or you could say, hey, let's make it illegal for churches, synagogues, and mosques to ask for money for some reason. You know, it'll be enforced by private citizens in court. Let's make it illegal for women to vote. You know, you can you can concoct a whole slew of ridiculous and discriminatory laws that could be enforced in this manner by private citizens through the civil courts if the judiciary ultimately says, yes, this Texas law is fine. The enforcement mechanism is kosher. Carry on. If they decide that, if that's what they decide, all hell is going to break loose. So I am not one of these liberals who – you know, has any real confidence in the Roberts court. You know, we, we do see some people say, oh, relax, the Supreme Court's, you know, going to do the right thing on this issue or that issue. I just think, 
I just don't see how they can uphold this type of enforcement just because it is going to unleash all hell. And if, you know, if, if they uphold it and California does something, one of the things that I just said, for example, like, you know, allowing private citizens to sue own, uh, the, you know, people who helped uh, AR-15 owners obtain those weapons. I don't see how if that gets before the Supreme Court, they say, ah, no, this enforcement mechanism is unconstitutional, even though we rule that this same mechanism is constitutional for uh, enforcing an abortion ban in the state of Texas. I just don't I, I just don't see how they can uphold at least that particular part of the law. I think well, I'll leave it there. I, I just, I just, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around how they could actually do that and expect shit not to go sideways real fast. Yeah, I mean, this is again, this has been my reaction to all of this. It's like it's quite a lot of, of, um, best way of describing it. It's quite a lot of insanity to happen in a very short period of time. <clears throat> The ramifications of which are too are quite difficult to comprehend, right? And 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 um, yeah, it, it makes me feel uneasy about the future of the United States of America. It really does. You know, it, this is you know it, again, it adds to this sense that you've got a country being pulled in very very radically different directions, like extreme culturally. Um, and politically is being pulled so far apart that there's no common ground anymore. And on one side, you've you've got batshit crazy things like this happening in Texas, right? I mean, it's 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 completely insane, um, you know. And then you've got kind of they're, they're living in two different realities, and the realities are now so far apart. I don't really get how any of this gets better. Like, I know this is a bit of a broader point here, but I can't help but feel that. You know, this is another sign of of the country again being ripped apart, um, and and the culture wars having kind of like gasoline poured on them again. Um, you know, and a real life handmaiden's tale. You know, it's it's uh, yeah, it's kind of scary. It's it's kind of scary, and I I think uh, you know, um, I don't know how this gets soothed, right, or how this gets. Um, but I think you know, there, there's going to have to be mass action particularly on on the on this new abortion laws i mean this is this going to have to be coordinated mass action women around the country are up in arms and it's basically down to kind of anybody who is vaguely concerned about what i find interesting right is that a lot of um the kind of anti-vax movement right it's about sovereignty of the body and all this kind of stuff and they're like no you're not going to put any needle into my body but it's okay now for um for but you know doctors women don't have sovereignty over their body when it comes to their reproductive rights a lot of people on the right are like up you know are it's all about you know sovereignty of the body and it's my body i'm not putting a vaccine in it the new age is as well there's this whole new age movement in texas as well uh, these these conspiritualists, um, conspiracy theory pro New Age people who are who are kind of been swung over to the Trump right, um, and not a peep out of them about these new Texas abortion laws. They're all up in arms about the vaccine, but not a word about the about the uh, um, this these new uh, proposed restrictions on women's reproductive rights. 
which is again just another sort of throw that into the mix of like you know the, the insane culture wars and how crazy people are going um yeah i feel like we're <laughs> we're sort of we're still in the trump years even though trump is not president we're still kind of like living through the ramifications of his insanity of his insane tenure as president um and and this new texas thing is just another kind of uh another chapter in the the, the never-ending culture war I could quibble with you over your Handmaid's Tale reference, but I'm not going to. Uh, last thing I will say on this, though, is you know Texas is not as red as it used to be. I think Biden lost it by six points or something like that. I mean, Republican presidential candidates have been getting less and less of a share of the vote there over the last... I think since at least 2004, I'd have to go back and check. Um, also, and if you look at Beto O'Rourke came within striking distance of Ted Cruz. Mm. Uh, and I know Texas Republicans are feeling really good about themselves because they gained two congressional seats after the last census. And they're going to get to gerrymander and and do whatever it is they're going to do. And they get two more electoral votes. So they're... Uh, you know, their their political heft has increased a bit. But, you know, the main reason Texas has two additional congressional seats is because a lot of people are moving into Texas and a lot of them aren't going to vote Republican in the next election. So, you know, you look at one hopes, like, one hopes, yeah, one hopes, but you look like a lot of people, younger people, millennials moving into Austin and Houston and San Antonio. But this is what I worry about. Well, there's, hold on, wait, there's, there's lower taxes. It's very attractive to younger people who are living in New York or California. And there is a burgeoning startup scene in Texas and the types of people who go to work for, you know, tech startups, for example, which are up and coming in, in, in places like Austin, those people don't tend to vote Republicans. So yes, Republicans in Texas enjoy your two additional congressional seats and two additional electoral votes, but the the population increase is indicative of something that over the longer term, I think is something that you are not going to like. Yes, maybe. Um, and, and I would have agreed with you pre-pandemic. Um, pre-pandemic, I think that this would, this, that thinking, that logic would have um, been uh, sound. But I, I'm very, very, very nervous about what's happening, in, particularly in places like Austin, in Austin, Texas, where you have this kind of conspirituality movement, right? And we're going to talk about this later with Joe Rogan, who is lives now in Austin, in Texas, right? Who is this sort of kind of pro-libertarian? Um, I, you know, who knows where Joe Rogan is politically? It's all over the place. His positions on stuff don't make any sense whatsoever. But there's a whole kind of movement of young people uh, into health and wellness, um, probably into tech stuff as well. And they're all flooding into Texas uh, because they know, you know, they view California as being a kind of communist regime. Um, and Texas, Texas is this kind of like new libertarian where they can live out their kind of like libertarian fantasies with low taxes and etc etc um 
But the reality is a lot of these people are being pulled towards the right, are being pulled towards Republicans um, because of the anti-vaccine stance. They're anti-vaccine, they're anti-big government. um, You know, they believe, you know, in the sort... They're kind of like millennial Tucker Carlson watchers who they might be down for like taking psychedelics but they still watch Tucker Carlson uh, and believe that Joe Biden is kind of like part of the you know he's like a deep state agent and all this kind of stuff Um, so I'm concerned about culturally what's happening there and I think the pandemic has made this worse the pandemic has kind of turned people insane um you know, and Joe Rogan is a good example of this, of, of somebody who is in, who, who is inspiring lots and lots of young people to be anti-science and to be anti-kind of like government and anti-democrat, um, you know. So, I, yeah, I'm concerned about it. I maybe, you know, I hope you're right. I do hope you're right that Texas will flip blue at some point. Uh, but it didn't, it wasn't as close as I hoped it would be. Like Beto O'Rourke during, in the 2020 campaign was urging Biden to, to uh, plow money into Texas. And the Biden campaign, thankfully, didn't. Right? It, they, they, they were sure of bets elsewhere. You know, they, their path was through Pennsylvania um, and they put their resources there rather than Texas, which, you know, in hindsight was a smart thing to do. So it, yeah, it, it was a smart thing to do. I am I I pulled it up. I'm looking right now. Okay. Biden okay. lost. Bring Texas. out the stats. Bring out the stats. Biden lost Texas by five and a half points, or I guess five point six. Um, and he got this is he got the biggest share of the vote for a Democrat since. Jimmy Carter in 1976. Jimmy Carter is actually the last Democrat to win the state of Texas. Uh, and if you if you go back to the year 2000, Bush beat Gore 59% to 38%. All right, huge, 21 points. His margin of victory was even larger in 2004, 61.1 to 38.2. But then in 2008, uh, McCain carried the state by just under 12 uh, Obama, car- excuse me. Uh, yeah, McCain carried the state by just under twelve. Uh, Romney in twenty twelve actually carried Texas by nearly sixteen, but in twenty sixteen, Trump carried it by nine points, and Biden carried it. Uh, excuse me, um, and Trump carried it only by the five point six in twenty twenty. So I, you know. It's at least at the presidential, it's trending in the right direction. And Beto, I believe, came closer than uh, any other Democratic Senate candidate um, in, in recent memory. I, I think it's, it's trending in the wrong direction for, for Texas Republicans. Uh, eventually, eventually, I think, I think this turns blue. I think all of the people, and it's great that they have low taxes and you know are encouraging startups and new businesses and all of this. And and all of these people are coming into Texas. It's I'm hoping it's a Trojan horse. I, I really do. I, I really hope, you know, at some point, if this trend continues, we'll, you know, we will see Texas at least turn purple, I think. But you mentioned Joe Rogan. Yes. Joe, well, Joe had a rough week. Um, Joe, <laughs> Joe. Yes, yes, he did. He did. I don't want to yeah. laugh. No, no. I'm, yeah, but... Yeah, so he dropped an Instagram video um, last week, and he said, "I got COVID." You know, he said he came back from a show over last weekend, and he wasn't feeling right, and he had like fever and chills, and 
all of this stuff. And he took a COVID test test the next morning and uh, sure enough, he was positive for COVID. And he said, uh, and I have a quote here, and he explains his regimen. I assume this is a self-prescribed reg- regimen. I, I have no idea. But this, he says this is what we took. He said, quote, so we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, z prednisone, everything. And I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip, and I did that three days in a row. And so here we are on Wednesday, and I feel great. I really only had one bad day. Sunday sucked, but Monday was better. Tuesday felt better than Monday, and today I feel good. Actually, I actually feel pretty fucking good, end quote. And I just, I just want to read um, <laughs> the response of CNN medical analyst uh, Dr. Jonathan Reiner. Uh, to to this little regimen here, and, and he 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 said he, he was on TV, he was on CNN. He said, <clears throat> "Quote." So he says he's taking ivermectin. It doesn't work. I wish it worked. It would be great if it worked. You know, it's an old drug. It's a cheap drug. It would be fantastic if it worked. It doesn't work. We know that. He said he received monoclonal antibodies. It's not really indicated for him. It's indicated for people with mild to moderate symptoms at high risk of progression. It doesn't seem like that's for him. He said he took steroids, prednisone. That's only indicated for hospitalized patients on oxygen therapy. And finally, he said he took azithromycin, an antibiotic which doesn't work for a viral illness. We know that. So he's kind of promoting a crazy jumble of, you know, sort of folk remedies and internet prescribed drugs. So that's... uh, so that was Jonathan Reiner, one of CNN's medical analysts. And of course, Rogan said earlier this year he would not get the vaccine. It does not appear that that has changed. Um, and, you know, of course, if he got the vaccine, there's a decent chance that he wouldn't have gotten COVID or at least wouldn't have gotten as sick as he did from COVID. But again, Ben, as you know, it's about, you know, freedom or fighting big pharma. Yeah. I mean, look, I like Joe Rogan. Um I like him less during the pandemic. I like a lot of people less during the pandemic um, because it's really shown a lot of people to be selfish arseholes. You know, that's, I feel like the pandemic really has. I don't know. I find myself getting down about this sometimes, you know, people who I know and respect and like, or used to like have become just fucking insane. And it's sort of shown their level of narcissism. And I think that Joe Rogan, um, there's a level of narcissism involved in this, right? That, you know, he knows more than doctors do. He kn- and, and there are sort of, um, you know, that there's a big conspiracy theory going on and actually like, you know, there's something else what public health officials are saying is not what's actually going on and blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, I did a huge piece on this this week for the banter about Joe Rogan. The timing was quite fortuitous because uh, I <laughs> I wrote it and I published it and about an hour later, it transpired that Joe Rogan had contracted COVID. But the, my article was about his obsession with comorbidities, right? So every time you listen to Joe Rogan t- talk about COVID, he bangs on about comorbidities, right? The, the death toll is high only in people with comorbidities that is other underlying health factors right like things like obesity um uh, all sorts of other uh, immune you know immune issues um, diabetes things like that so um and he keeps pointing to a statistic that basically 95 percent of the deaths associated with covid are actually you know people with comorbidities right 
so we had a, a a doctor on his show who was trying to put right some of the misinformation that he's been putting out on his show and rogan basically like where he gets the balls to do this where he gets the balls to talk to someone with a phd right someone who who is a highly respected um uh, cell biologist and and basically grill question their understanding of the data when he clearly doesn't understand the fucking data at all right he, he for some reason he's got a blind spot when it comes to looking at the data um about you know death associated with vaccines and death associated with actual covid so he wants to minimize the the effects of covid right of actual covid and maximize the effects of the vaccine so he talks about knowing people who've been fucked up from the vaccine Right. And he asked this doctor, Dr. Robert Patrick, he said, like, you know, would you change your mind about vaccines if you knew somebody who had, you know, had an adverse effect from the vaccine? Right. Now, most sensible people would say would look at the data and say, OK, there's the instances of, of um, uh, vaccine side effects are exceedingly rare, extremely rare. Right. Deaths associated with the vaccine. Right. We don't really have much good data on it. Um you know, it, it, it's statistically almost insignificant when you count the number of deaths even associated with the vaccine. You know, they've, they've millions of people have been vaccinated in America. Hundreds of millions of people have been vaccinated in America. And something like 7,000 people may have had, may ha- have died uh, with associated, um, uh, you know, something associated with the vaccine. And even that, um, it's not uh, um, hasn't been verified yet. They could have died from all sorts of other things. It could be old age. It could be something else. Because um, it's self-reported through a system V A E R S, the VAERS reporting system, which I can't remember what exactly that stands for. Um, vaccines and related injuries, or something like that. Um, so we don't have good good data on that. We don't have a lot of. Uh, good evidence on that about how many people have died but we do know that it's statistically insignificant more people um far more people die from taking aspirin every year uh than 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 um have uh, than from the covid vaccine so it's statistically much safer than 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 taking an aspirin um but of course like you know don't let this affect joe rogan don't let this sway joe rogan's thinking Right. And and so anyway, my thesis in this piece that I wrote was that what these a lot of these, you know, Joe Rogan make has made his fortune off selling supplements basically through his podcast. He owns part owns a supplement company. He sells supplements on his podcast. And my thinking is that Joe Rogan he sort he has a sort of disdain for public health policy and public health um uh announcements and 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 advice because he wants to set himself up and uh, as as an as a sort of authority on health right so that you know don't listen to the public health officials like just work out and take my supplements and you'll be all right right so it's there's a sort of there's an incentive for him to dismiss uh, medical evidence and to dismiss you know what the what public health officials are saying because it feeds directly into his business model that's my that's my thesis, and I think that there's fairly strong evidence for that, right? Because he's not remotely qualified to talk about any of this stuff, and the fact that he's dosing himself up with horse dewormer and antibi- antibiotics for a virus—I mean, you—I mean, seriously, right? An antibiotic for a virus. 
this is, I mean, very, very basic medical knowledge. You, you would understand that like an antibiotic doesn't work for a virus, right? Antibiotics work for bacterial infections, not for viruses. But, you know, anyway, apparently Joe Rogan knows better than we do. So, you know, here, here, here we are. And mi- rather than urge his millions of followers to get the vaccine, uh, he's instead talking about taking fucking ivermectin, which doesn't work. So yeah, ridiculous. I, I like the guy. I hope he's doesn't you know hope he's not seriously ill hope he gets better uh, but what an arsehole it's not a bad thesis i haven't checked the supplements that he sells um i have to imagine there are some maybe most of them aren't fda approved for the things that they none of them none of them are <laughs> fda approved none yeah, of them. Yeah. right so you know it it so that kind of you know the fact that he's selling those in the first place is it's it's kind of like a i don't know if he says stuff like oh it's the uh you know such and such uh, treatment that they don't want you to know about i don't know if he takes it that far but it's almost like implied like if you're selling supplements that aren't fda approved for the uses that you are advertising them for um it would it it doesn't take a giant leap to think that he would resist um you know, medicine, medication that has been approved by the FDA, even if just through emergency authorization as as the, the vaccine has been, it has been fully approved now for people over 12 years old. But yeah, it, it would almost make sense uh, from a business standpoint for him to resist, you know, quote unquote, official treatments for various maladies. I'm not saying that's what is driving him, uh, at least not consciously, but yeah, it, it, it makes sense because, you know, the, the, you know, a lot of these people who traffic in supplements, they are, you know, part of their allure is that, you know, they're kind of like these, these alt treatments and alt medications and for, for stuff that, you know, again, these quote unquote officials, official, you know, uh, you know, they're not official. They have, they haven't been officially approved. So they're kind of like, you know, doing a down low. Oh, here's, here's the stuff that will make you bulk up or that will prevent you from getting uh, kidney disease that they don't want you to know about. Right. You know, I mean, one of the most ironic things about, about, you know, Joe Rogan and, and a lot of the other kind of alt health people um, and the, the owner of his the supplement company that he part owns, this guy called Aubrey Marcus, who um, they basically, uh, it's a company called Onnit. Um, and uh, I think, so anyway, Aubrey Marcus founded Onnit. And Joe Rogan, like, basically pimped it on his podcast and became a part owner of it. And they've done very, very well out of it. Uh, and they recently sold it to um, uh, a giant pharmaceutical company. Um, they, they sold it to, uh, I forget what the... Um, I forget what the uh, uh, who it was sold to, uh, but it was sold to Unilever. There we go. It was sold to Unilever, um, which is a giant pharmaceutical company. But both um, Joe Rogan and Aubrey Marcus have railed about pharmaceutical companies and the vaccine. They don't trust the vaccine because it's made by Big Pharma, yet they've sold their supplement company to Big Pharma. It just goes to show, like how completely full of shit these guys are. You know, it's it's um, you, you know, you have to like 
always look at anybody dispensing all this health and wellness advice. I think you always have to look at what they are selling you, right? Not what what are they not what they're saying to you, but what are they selling you, right? What's what what is it? What is their product? What is Joe Rogan really trying to do through his podcast? And really, he's trying to sell you supplements, right? That's essentially what he's trying to do. Right, so he has a vested interest in 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 being a real authority on health over you know public health officials, which is fine when we're not in a pandemic. I don't have that much of a problem with it when we're not in a pandemic. It's relatively harmless for people to be taking supplements, you know, when we're not in the middle of a pandemic. But once you start telling people to down horse dewormer for for COVID, you know, I think now it becomes this, this is a lot more serious. This is a lot more. You know he's culpable now for not for people not getting the vaccine and for people taking ivermectin and you know basically taking up fucking hospital beds um, that are desperately needed, right? They're desperately needed for people who have been who have been vaccinated and need treatment because there are people who are being kicked out of ICU units. People can't get beds in ICU units because there are so many unvaccinated people now. You know, clogging up the hospital system and you know. I think that you know right now it's like if you don't get um if you don't get uh, the vaccine then you have to pay for your own medical care like if you you had the chance to get a free vaccine and you didn't and now you're taking up someone's ICU bed because you wouldn't get a vaccine you know I don't want you to die I don't want any you know I think you should get treated but you've got to pay for it By the way you know the, the drugs Joe Rogan listed are manufactured by big pharma. However, I will say they are still quote unquote alternative treatments for COVID. Um, you know, the, as, as Reiner said, you know, I quote a CNN's medical analyst, you know, some of those like monoclonal antibodies, they can be helpful against COVID, against COVID though maybe not in Rogan's case because it's not indicated for him. So even though those drugs that he listed are made by quote unquote big pharma, it still kind of feeds into the narrative that there are alternative treatments to COVID-19 that just aren't being talked about. Right. So, so I will say that, um, should we do what crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week? We should indeed. We should indeed. Uh, what do you have up your sleeve for this uh, this week's um, batshit craziness? Okay, so I cheated a little bit. Technically, it wasn't. And when we say, by the way, this podcast drops on a Sunday. And so would we say what crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week? We really mean last week. But I'm cheating because it actually happened... Not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before that. But I just, I had to highlight it just because it, it came, it would have been in the last podcast, but I didn't see it. I don't think it even came out until after our last podcast dropped. So um, Governor Tate Reeves of Mississippi, um, like most other former Confederate states, Mississippi is swimming in COVID. People are dying. Mississippi has one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country, uh, and it has, I believe, the second highest death rate in the country. Mm. Um, so there are no vaccine mandates for anyone, no mass mandates as far as I can tell, at least not at the state level anyway. 
And the result of all of this has been entirely predictable. But Reeves was speaking at a fundraiser, and he said this, quote, When you believe in eternal life, when you believe that living on this earth is but a blip on the screen, then you don't have to be so scared of things. End quote. And then... Days later, at a press conference, he doubled down on his remarks and said this. The Bible is very clear that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that is um, my worldview. It's how I believe. It's what drives me uh, every single day. And I think it's what drives a, a large number of Mississippians. Um, we should take necessary precautions with respect to COVID, but we also understand that we, we do have everlasting life if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in God the Father, and I certainly do. <clears throat> now, <laughs> I, there's a couple of things I'm going to say about this. Number one, um, if this is his attitude, then Tate Reeves should not be in government. I, I, this is just incredible. Just imagine, just imagine. Yeah, the state I'm leading is getting slammed by a deadly virus. But just remember, everyone, if you believe in eternal life, it's really not a big deal. I mean, the job of government is to provide services, okay? That's paving roads, repairing bridges, hiring cops and firefighters, uh, you know, ensuring you are, are optimizing policies to ensure public health and safety. And like, so just uh, take a look at the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure in Mississippi, which is atrocious, atrocious, just like almost everything else. That state ranks last or close to last on a whole host of quality of life issues among states. It's also one of the most religious states. And so Reeves' attitude here may very well be reflective uh, of a lot of his constituents because the people in Mississippi don't appear to demand much from their public officials, just given how poorly that state ranks in a bunch of areas. But just imagine Reeves or any other governor or politician coming out and saying, you know, we could try fixing these bridges, but it will cost money. And that means sacrifice in the form of higher taxes, which is an infringement on people's freedom and liberty. So we're not going to do anything about the crumbling bridges. But if you remember that we have eternal life, our time on earth is really just a blip. So if the bridge collapses while you're driving over it and you die, you can still get to go to heaven with Jesus, right? Or imagine if Corey Bush or Elian Obar, who've been fans of defund the police. Imagine if they say, yeah, we know defunding the police is likely to lead to higher crime rates, including violent crime. But if by chance you get murdered, just remember you're not really dead because you have eternal life. Can you imagine that passing as any kind of justification for defunding the police? It's inconceivable, but this is Reeves' logic. I mean, if time on earth doesn't mean much in the grand scheme, why are conservatives, I mean, why do anything? Why are you against abortion? 
right? You could apply the same logic. Hey, life's just a blip. The fetus gets eternal life in fetus heaven. There's no need to infringe on a woman's personal medical decisions. It's absolutely crazy. Like, if that's his attitude, get the hell out of government. Yeah, but the people like this keep getting elected, which is, yeah, I, you know, scary, absolutely terrifying. Um, well, I've got a, if, if people are freaked out by that, I've got, uh, I've got, <laughs> I've got another, another one for you guys. Um, so this is a mixture. This, this is two people really, but it's, it's um, Laura, our, our good friend, Laura Ingram um, on, of the Ingram angle, speaking to, I don't know if you recall this person, um, Mike. This is Dr. Scott Atlas. I don't know whether you remember who Dr. Scott oh, Atlas. Oh yes, is. a radiologist in the Trump administration. Yes, yeah, so he was a pro- he was a, an advisor. He was a, he was advising the White House about the pandemic under Trump. Um, so a complete like complete debunked idiot, right? How this person got a medical degree, I can't, I do not understand, because everything he says flies in the face of the of, of the scientific consensus and medical consensus on almost everything he talks about. Um, so, you know, he's been a huge critic of lockdowns, um, and no, he said that there's no evidence that masks work, that mask mandates work. Uh, so, anyway, so he said uh, he was on... Um, uh, the Laura Ingram show this this past week, and he t- he said to um, Laura Ingram that natural immunity after recovery from an infection from COVID is superior to a vaccine. Okay, so I just want to be clear about this. This is a straight up lie, right? This is a straight. This is absolute nonsense okay vaccination is vastly superior to natural to to uh, quote-unquote natural immunity so what he's saying is a lie okay there's a for the british society for immunology right has has done a a very helpful comparison chart or on this okay um this is what happens with a natural infection with covid nine with covid19 so it, it means you can become very unwell with COVID-19, the potential to develop long-term complications from long COVID and can spread virus to others. Well, on the other hand, if you get a vaccine, okay, significantly reduces chances of developing COVID-19 um, and how unwell you become, uh, induces an immune response in a safe and controlled way, and it reduces the chance of spreading virus to others. And the vaccine cannot give you COVID-19, right? The immune response, right, of when you get infected naturally, so the immune response when you get infected naturally varies hugely between between people. Many factors impact immune response, um, age. Uh, some people do not have detectable long-term immune response. It may be linked um, with disease severity. People who have experienced more severe illness are more likely to have stronger-term um, uh, immune response, right? So basically, the iller, the iller you get from COVID, the better your, your response is. So what is this guy suggesting, right? that, um, it, you know, you want to get severe COVID so you get a nice natural immunity from it, right? Or you could get vaccinated. Uh, and um, according to the uh, British Society for Immu- Immunology, it, while the immune response varies with the vaccine, it produces um, it, it, across the spectrum uh, a strong immune response. May, and it might produce a more robust immune response um, and you get immunity to the virus from natural infection is boosted after the va- after vaccination as well. Um, so 
we in terms of the length of protection so uh natural when you get naturally infected it's very variable and not fully known uh and your length of protection varies over time and protection tends to be lower uh, in people who were mildly ill uh in vaccination um uh you know you've got the it, it produces uh, as far as we know a long-term protection um you also booster vaccines will help you maintain a a, a strong immune response um so, and also then it comes to variants, right? It, there's proof that the um, uh, natural infection we don't we still don't know, right? We we it, it, it's likely that when you get a natural infection after that, your immune system won't recognise the new variants. But what's been shown with vaccination, uh, when you get two doses of some vaccine, provide a strong protection against many of the current variants, right? This is again according to the British Society, British Society of Immunology. Um, and the vaccines can also be adapted to boost immunity against new variants, right? The long and short of it is get vaccinated, get vaccinated. It's better than being naturally infected, right? With natural infection, um, you know, there is a risk that you can die from that and develop long COVID, right? Long-term effects of the vaccine as far are incredibly rare. So, this guy and Laura Ingram are basically suggesting they they are they are it's they're asking people to 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 die they're basically advising people to 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 play roulette with their lives right don't get the vaccine go out and get covid this is crazy this is coming from a doctor this is coming from a prominent uh, media figure right she has prime time slot on fox news right one of the, the most watched cable news uh, network in america and they are basically telling people to go and get infected this is crazy, right? So that's my crazy thing. What crazy fucking thing did Republicans can say this week? Yeah, I believe Atlas was the guy who is, it said that we can achieve herd immunity if we just let COVID rip across the country. I mean, this guy is not, he, he's not an epidemiologist. He's a radiologist. He's not qualified to speak about this stuff. Uh, nor are we, but we are relying on the advice of people who are qualified. And the idea that instead of getting a vaccine, that getting infected, like rolling the dice and getting inf- infected and hoping you don't get real sick, hoping you don't die, hoping you don't get long COVID. My wife has a friend who's very healthy. She's like 32 years old and she got COVID and she's last year and she still has no sense of taste. Uh, and the idea that you would, that you would roll the dice with your life or, you know, your general well being, um, cause we know COVID can, it has other effects. It can cause enlarged hearts, can cause like long-term myocarditis. Like the idea that you would roll the dice on on any of those outcomes so that you can you know get get a natural resistance to covid the next time you may be infected it's just insane it's just utterly insane and if everyone had gotten the vaccine by now i mean we would not we wouldn't even be having this conversation but you know just over half the population of the united states is vaccinated because we have vaccine hesitancy and even outright hostility that is prevailing in this country in in large you know in in a lot of communities and, and the result is entirely predictable 
And, and, you know, as, as for Laura Ingram, allowing Atlas and other quacks to appear on her show, it's just really crazy the extent to which people like, you know, her and Tucker Carlson will have these, you know, have these quacks on because they know this is shit that their viewers want to hear. And what they want to hear isn't what they need to hear. And what they need to hear is get the fucking vaccine. So, yeah, they need to hear the truth for once in their fucking lives. Right. Excuse my uh, my 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 cursing here. For once in their lives, they need to hear the truth because the truth will could quite literally save their lives. I mean, the number of these sort of um, th- these conservative uh, shock jocks, right? These a lot of radio hosts who have been out there promoting COVID misinformation and urging people not to get the vaccine, and you know, uh, making all these insane claims about Joe Biden and the uh, you know. Um, the CDC and the FDA and all this kind of stuff, and they're dying of COVID, right? They, they, they there's a there's a whole sort of, um, and it's like one, it's basically one a week now. It's one one a week of these batshit crazy Republicans are dying from COVID, right? And if you're a 65 obese male um, uh, running a, a Republican, uh, a pro-Trump talk show, right? You, you, a lot of these guys are, are you know, very unhealthy, um, and or Presley Stutz, for example, right? A, um, a, a guy from, I believe he was from uh, South Carolina, died. I mean, he was in, in exact sort of um, demographic that is at severe risk, uh, a great risk of, of, of infection and uh, of, of get, getting severe COVID. But yeah, I mean, you know, in the hospital bed, I'm no, no doubt he, uh, you know, he questioned his, uh, his decision-making, but it was too late. The guy died. So they're dropping like flies. I mean, they are literally dropping like flies now. They are like Republican in red states. Um, it's it's a sort it's a massacre. Right, the hospitals are clogging, are filling up again, full of unvaccinated people. Um, and I, you know, like I I hold people like Laura Ingram directly responsible for that. I really do. You know, I don't want to, like, I do have sympathy for people who have been fed all this misinformation. I like, I feel, I do feel sorry for them, right? Because they've been lied to badly by the right wing media system for decades and decades and decades to the point where they can't now discern what is real and what is not, what is science and what is not, what is reality and what is fiction, right? Their heads are so scrambled and jumbled that they genuinely have no idea, like, what you know, what advice to listen to, right? So listening to Dr. Laura, you know, listening to Laura Ingram, sorry, Dr. Laura Ingram, Laura Ingram and, and that batshit crazy doctor who worked for Donald Trump. Yeah, this is not your best bet if you want to live a, a you, you want to live through a pandemic. Not at all. You know, we're at minute 55 and I fear if we talk about Joe Manchin, we're going to run over an hour. So the the too long didn't read version of that is uh, Joe Manchin wrote an op ed in the Wall Street Journal in which he said he won't support a three point five trillion dollar budget reconciliation bill. So there's that. There's that. That's that we will have to address that at some. We point. we we will address this uh, at another time. Um, you know, I, <laughs> again, how much of this can we like every week? It's like you know things get more and more insane and then you get joe manchin who helpfully uh, who helpfully injects himself into things where we actually <laughs> seem to be making progress on and joe manchin's like oh no 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 no, we're not going to do that by the way yeah sorry right 
Everyone's talking about COVID in Afghanistan, which, by the way, we did not address today. We will address in a future episode. I mean, we've addressed it in the last episode, but yeah, it's like, oh no, all these other things are getting too much attention. It's time for me to like drop an op-ed from the clouds threatening to derail President Biden's agenda. Mansion gonna mansion, I guess. <sighs> yes. Anyway, until uh, we, we will be back next week. Um, it's good to be back. This is our second uh, podcast since being off for the summer, so it's nice to get back into the swing of things. Um, thanks for all the kind comments from last week. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe to it. You can subscribe on iTunes and you can subscribe on um, Spotify as well. Um, subscribe. You can also get a uh, discount on a Bantam membership if you're seeing this on the email. Please click on the the, the Bantam newsletter and you'll be able to get a 50% discount on a Bantam membership. That helps keep us going. We'd really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, and until next week. <laughs>